0: It is such a joy and delight to be with you today. Let me start off by saying life is all about love. I'm not just saying that because I'm married to a wonderful woman or father to to great kids. But life is basically a choice between two things, love and something else. I've witnessed and I've experienced that when people... Choose true love, they always choose right. As we continue our series on true love wins, I want to speak to us today about the most incredible love in this world and why you and I should live this love in our lives. In John chapter 15, verse 12, it says, This is my commandment. Jesus is speaking. He says, That you love one another. As I have loved you. Notice, notice that tiny little word, ass. It makes all the difference. Our love has a model and example, Jesus Christ Himself. Friends, the title of our message today is Love Like Jesus. Can you all say that? Love Like Jesus. The question is, why should you and I love like Jesus? Well, it will completely change our world for the better. Don't you agree? Sure. It'll change our heart. It'll change our mind. It will transform our perspective. And it'll make an eternal impact on the lives of others and bring glory to God. What more can we want out of life? If we were to summarize the entire Bible in just one word, it would be what? Love. Even God's Ten Commandments is really God's ten values of love. Friends, everything anchors on relationships. That's what's most important in life. Not our careers, our possessions, our social status. And yet that's what maybe some of you are so focused on today. Many people talk about love, but they do not practice true love. We are here on this very earth to love and be loved. Love is life. Our relationship with God and others must be anchored in love. Each and every one of you is worthy of love. Worthy of love and belonging. Just as you are. Perfectly imperfect. Every one of us is crying out, Can somebody, somewhere, please love me? We all desperately long for love. Not just temporary, fleeting, fading, fake love. No, but love in its purest form, which is the love of Jesus. Now, I know we can spend hours, days even, talking about his love. But in the few minutes that we have, I will focus on only three aspects that I feel are Jesus' greatest attributes of love. Point number one, Jesus loves us unconditionally. Point number two, Jesus loves us generously. And point number three, Jesus loves us sacrificially. I heard this story of an elderly couple celebrating their 50th anniversary can you imagine 50th 5-0 anniversary? You know, when the celebration was going on and the cake was cut, it seemed only fitting for the husband to say a few words about the wonderful years that he spent together with his wife. He stood up and he declared to his guest in front of his wife, looking tenderly into her eyes, he said, My dear wife, after 50 years, I've found you tried and true. All the guests smiled and and applauded. But the wife struggled because she couldn't hear very well. So cupping her ear with her hand behind her ear, she said, eh? You know, this time the husband repeated himself quite loudly. He said, after 50 years, I've found you tried and true. Well, with a gleam in her eye, she answered back, well, let me tell you something. After 50 years, I'm sick and tired of you too. (laughs) Well, friends, I know, I know what you're thinking. Love like Jesus? Come on, are you kidding me? That's impossible. That would be like asking me to to walk on water. And I agree 100% with you. I will honestly confess to you that my love for others was all selfish. It was self-centered love. I love people for how they can love me back, for how I could use them and, and get something from them. My love for others, I'm embarrassed to say, was, was wretched, was carnal, it was corrupt. I didn't have any idea about the pure, selfless love of God for me. Let me ask you is love? natural for you? I'm so glad you humbly admitted, no, it's not. It really isn't. And that's why it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter five, verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Do you get that? This is something we cannot do in our own power. Jesus knows this. And that's why he told us, look at this, in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, before saying to us, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, he wants us to to learn to love him first. He is the source of love because God is love. And when we have the love of God, that's when we can love others. When you say it's impossible to love Jesus, that's exactly true. That's why Jesus, before departing, he told his disciples, as he's told us in his word, that he will be sending his Holy Spirit to reside, to indwell, and to empower us to do what is only possible if Jesus himself were living inside of us. Let me illustrate this for you, okay? Let me, let me show you. Huh? Watch this. This bottle represents our life. You and I were constantly faced with choices each day. Am I going to choose to love others with self love? Love that is self absorbed, self seeking, self centered? Or choose to love like Jesus? Friends, on my own, no matter how hard I try, I will always end up choosing self love. No matter how hard I try, it's my nature. The Holy Spirit is represented by this water. And as we fill our lives with the Holy Spirit, we surrender our lives, we yield our lives, we abide with the Holy Spirit. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that is the exchange life. And when you and I do this, friends, every time we make choices in life, it'll always point in the right direction the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us to make the right choices. And that's the choice to love like Jesus. Do you see how you see things differently now? I want you to shift your view today. Look at this, okay? When I look at this view, all I see is this, in this direction. That's my whole perspective. But when I simply shift my view in this direction, Okay, I see a whole different perspective, a whole new perspective. And that's what you and I need to do as we listen to God's word. Yes, it is impossible to love like Jesus if I continue to see things my way. But when I choose to see things in light of the truth of God's way, my life completely sees the impossible becoming possible. Are you with me? Now, isn't that great? We can live the supernatural life in the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, believe it or not, we are all superheroes. All of us are superheroes with the supernatural power of love that changes the world one person at a time. Amen? You cannot give what you have not received. Listen, if you are truly intimate with Jesus, your life will abound with love. So many today are focused on following others on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all types of social media. And you look at their lifestyles, all these people that you follow, these celebrities, these idols, all these people, you know, you see their values, their likes and dislikes, what they eat, what they listen to, and you end up knowing them more and following their example more than you know and follow Jesus. Friends, shift your view. Jesus is our standard, not people who are flawed and imperfect. The key is not to focus so much on your love for Jesus, but focus on his love for you. His love will transform and move you to love like him. Can you tell the person beside you, love like Jesus. I mean, if there's someone beside you, tell, tell them, huh? Now, if, all, if you're beside yourself, then don't tell anyone. Just tell yourself that, okay? Friends, until your vertical relationship with God is right, secure, and intimate, your horizontal relationship with people, family members, etc., will be chaotic because you will not know how to love them. And that was me. Have you truly experienced the love of God? Have you embraced and trusted his love for you no matter what? I pray that these truths will drive you to love like Jesus. I pray that each and every one of us will be encouraged, inspired, transformed, and moved to live a life of love for the glory of God. So let's dig deep into the love of Jesus and how it will naturally overflow from us onto others. Number one, Jesus loves us unconditionally. Can you all say that? Jesus loves us unconditionally. In Romans chapter five, verse six to eight, it says, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might possibly dare to die. Look at verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice in that verse that our condition was helpless. We were ungodly. We were sinners and yet Jesus still loved and accepted us the way we were in spite of all our sinful ways. Therefore, therefore, who are we not to accept others the way Jesus accepted us? Jesus doesn't say, I love you if, or I love you when, or I love you because. No, he says, I love you, period. You and I can't make Jesus stop loving us because his love isn't, it's not based on what I do, what you do, it's based on who he is. And that's important because the deepest wounds that you may have had in your own life are the wounds of rejection. When people look down on you, maybe you've been betrayed, belittled. You've been bullied. Maybe your parents have always put you down. They criticized you when when you didn't meet their expectations. They hurt you by saying, oh, you're no good for nothing. You won't amount to anything. You're a failure and disappointment. You know, those words are scarred in your heart. Friends, what matters most is that Jesus loves you unconditionally and accepts you just as you are. Love like Jesus. Let me tell you a true story. One day, a man wrote a letter to his parents. It was a very difficult letter for him to write because he had not seen them or he had not been in touch with them for 12 long years. The last time that they talked was the day that he told them that he was going to choose a homosexual lifestyle. His parents told him that he was committing sin and that he was going to hell. And they basically asked him to pack his bags and to leave and to never come back. That day he left. When he left, he chose to live life on his own terms. 12 years later, he was writing them a letter, a letter of reconciliation. He was telling them that he had AIDS and he said that his days were numbered. And he asked if he could go back to see them one last time before he died. Well, a week later, that man received a letter from his parents. He was excited. He, he got his letter, something like this. And when he opened it up, he noticed that all these things fell down. And he realized that it was his birth certificate, all torn in shreds. And there was a short note inside the letter. And it was from the parents saying to him, we don't know you. We don't have a son who is an abomination to God. From that day that you walked out on God's will, we no longer had a son. That's the letter he received. That young man wept. He wept, and days later, he died. And here's the irony of the story Do you know who helped him during his dying days? His neighbors, his friends. His office mates, people who weren't Christians. Where were the religious people? Busy condemning, protecting themselves from defilement. It could have been a prodigal moment for them to accept their son. In CCF, we accept sinners. None of us is sinless. No sin is greater than another in God's eyes. Anyone and everyone has a past and everyone is welcome. Adulterers, addicts, prostitutes, alcoholics, anyone and everyone are welcome and loved. You see, friends, our past doesn't dictate our future because we have a God who chooses to forget our past and change our future I was obsessed with making money, filled with pride and immorality for many years. I couldn't control my sinfulness, and I'm still far from perfect. But God was kind to me. He accepted me. He forgave me. He loved me. CCF and the people therein in became my family, refuge. The church became my hospital, my school, and home. So how can I not accept others with the same love and kindness? Jesus has loved me. If you look at the life of Jesus, wherever he went, he taught, he fed, he prayed over, he healed people, he ministered to many people, the same people who would cry later on, crucify him. Jesus washed the feet of Judas knowing that within a few hours, Judas was going to leave and and betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? Jesus made it a point to minister to an outcast Samaritan woman, even making a Samaritan the, the hero of a parable. Jesus accepted everyone, rich and poor, young and old, religious and pagan. We are to treat every human being with dignity and respect, remembering that each person is special because they're a creation designed in the image of God. We must rid our hearts of racial prejudice, let go of of socioeconomic standards, religious discrimination, and even political preference. None of that should hinder us from loving others like Jesus. Jesus unconditionally loves you, 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 all of and me and every one of us. How should we respond to this powerful, unconditional love that God has given to us? Romans 15, verse 7 says, Accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Do you see that? Accept one another as God has accepted us. One of the problems is that most people don't know the difference between acceptance and approval. Acceptance and approval. The Lord doesn't approve of everything we do, but he loves us and accepts us as we are. And you and I can likewise accept someone without approving of what they do, without agreeing with their opinions or values. Let me, let me give you an example, okay? Jesus was walking down the street and some religious leaders had caught a woman in the act of adultery. It's interesting that, that they didn't catch the guy. Maybe the guy was part of the group, I don't know. They bring her before him and they throw her down at his feet and they try to trap him by asking, what are you going to do about her, Jesus? Jesus looks at her, looks at her accusers and says, okay, anybody who's never sinned, you get the first stone and you throw it at her. Go ahead. You can throw the first stone. Of course, they all start leaving one by one. What is Jesus doing here? He's giving acceptance, not approval. He didn't approve of what she had done but he accepted her and defended her dignity. When you and I come to Christ and we've messed up in our life, he's not gonna say, see, I told you. No, he's going to accept you as you are. Jesus looks at that woman and he says, where are your accusers? And she says, they're all gone. They're all gone, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's what you and I need to do with other people around us. We don't have to approve everything they do because God knows how, how we feel about those people who oppose Christian values and moral teachings. But we need to accept them and love them unconditionally. Friends, that is the mark of true Christian love. Jesus loves us unconditionally. Be accepting. Application, I want you to fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. I need to reach out to blank and show acceptance. Think of a person that you can show unconditional love and acceptance to. Who is that person? I want you to think of someone who's very difficult in your life, someone who opposes you. Now, don't look around, okay? I mean, don't look around now. Think of someone who is hard to love, okay? Make it a point to reach out to that person with respect and dignity. John 13, verse 35 says, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's move on. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. You see the word lavish there? Lavish, that means generous. It means pouring out in abundance, in excess to overflowing. Point number two, Jesus loves us generously. Can you all say that? Jesus loves us generously. You see, Jesus' generous love means exorbitant, extravagant, over and above. Only, Jesus' love goes way beyond what we expect. Now, friends, what is lavish in Tagalog? we mean lavish in Tagalog? What, what? Ano you labis-labis? No, 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 that's not it. When we say, I love you, in Tagalog, we say, mahal Mahal kita right? Mahal, meaning expensive, (laughs) valuable, precious. Mahal. Jesus' love for us is priceless and eternal. Why do I say this? In Psalm 136, we see that it has 26 verses, 26 verses. And in every verse, it repeats, for his loving kindness is everlasting. In the NIV, New International Version Bible, it says his love endures forever. 26 times in each of the verses. Friends, do you believe this? Do you believe this? God is telling us, you can throw everything at me. You can turn your backs on me, but I'm going to keep loving you no matter what. Wow. One of the most frequent words that we see in the New Testament is the word grace. Can you all say grace? Grace. Grace refers to the generosity of Jesus. Here we are receiving God's grace, what we don't deserve. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty Might become rich. The you there, you see the word you, the you there mentioned specifically is directed to those who are in a committed relationship with Christ. This verse proclaims the generous, overflowing, gracious love of Jesus. You see, that verse tells us he willingly gave up what? The riches of glory in heaven when he became a man and he died on the cross so that we. You and I might share in his riches of glory in heaven. Friends, I can't even imagine that someday we will enjoy his riches in heaven. How did Jesus model this generous love to others? What was his example to us? Well, you know that he had a purpose. When he was on this earth, he had an agenda to follow, to do his father's will. To seek and save the lost to give his life as a ransom for many. As he was going about his day, fulfilling his mission with purpose, oftentimes he was interrupted. On his way one time to heal the daughter of Jairus, crowds gathered around him, pushing him wherever he was going. And as he was moving along, there was a woman who was bleeding, hemorrhaging for 12 years. She reached out in desperation and by faith touched Jesus' robe to be healed. Jesus suddenly felt, he felt someone pull his robe. He stopped to inquire who touched him. He stopped and everyone else stopped. And he used this moment to express his love to her. Jesus saw obstacles as unique opportunities to love someone intentionally, generously. And when he did this, Jesus changed hearts One person at a time. You and I have our agenda. We have our plan for our lives. We ought to be gracious and be willing to be interrupted. To express love to those who cross our path. Not just neglect and ignore them. No. The Corinthian believers in the New Testament were models of what loving Christians should not be. They were selfish to the extreme. They did not share their food at feasts. They protected their rights to the point of suing fellow believers in pagan law courts. They wanted the best, the best spiritual gifts to build themselves up instead of willingly serve others in the church. Sad to say, there are some Christians and even Christian leaders today who got into disagreements, debates, and arguments with others. And this happens. But our response is crucial. There are some who refuse to offer gracious love of Jesus to those who disagreed with them. What have they done? They've ignored reconciliation. They've simply blocked and turned their backs. Friends, don't refuse to meet with those people you have disagreements with. Keep that open. Allow yourself to listen to them, to meet with them, to pray with them, for them, to reconcile with them. This is Christian love. You see, I believe God sends us tests and the tests are difficult people. Difficult people always come into our lives, all of us. They're God's gift to us because why? They help us see our flaws. They help us see the areas in our lives that we need to improve. Our lives are blessed when we humble ourselves and restore any broken relationship that is burdening our hearts. As you and I love others graciously, we will be a model to our children, to our small group members and even to our friends who are not yet committed followers of Jesus, but are watching us. Brothers and sisters, don't allow Satan to have any reason to laugh at you when you choose to fight and disobey God in loving others. Are you with me? I hope so. Okay, I can hear you. You might be saying, oh, Joby, there are some people, you can't imagine how they've hurt me. How can I love them graciously? I'm sure many of you are in pain and I'm sorry for how you've suffered. I too have felt that same desire you have to unlove others for many reasons. What I did was stop and ask myself, do I deserve the gracious, generous love of Jesus? I certainly didn't. And yet, He set aside all my sins and with arms open wide, he welcomed me into his family. When I surrendered my life to him, no questions were asked, no qualifications were given. I just reached out with my broken and repentant heart. Honestly, those of you listening right now, if not for the grace of God, you and I would be facing his wrath. You know, God's wrath means that he would be at war with us. In John 3, verse 36, it says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Brothers and sisters, don't take the grace of God for granted. It's the opposite side of the coin. Love and wrath. Love and wrath. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says this. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. You know what that verse is saying? God didn't give us a small amount of grace, but he lavished us with his grace, out of his riches. He doesn't simply give us the grace of forgiveness, but gives us the grace to know him, to enjoy him, to overcome sin, to become more like Christ, just to name a few aspects of his lavish grace. Can you imagine that? You can be gracious like Jesus by loving others when you simply spend time to listen to their hearts. When you encourage them with words that lift up their spirits with hope. If they need financial help and you might be in a position to bless them, that's a way of graciously loving them. When you pray with them during a desperate time of need, you are expressing God's grace upon them. Okay, singles. I want to talk to you singles, okay? How do you apply the gracious love of Jesus when you have real struggles with the opposite sex. I know the temptations are great and you find that your flesh is weak. The solution may sound simple, but it is powerful. If you would sincerely pray and ask Jesus to help you love him more than you love yourself. When you truly love Jesus, you will want to graciously love your boyfriend or girlfriend with Jesus's love. And that means remaining pure for each other. Love like Jesus. Let me show you a demonstration of, of generous, lavish, gracious love of Jesus. Okay? Let's look at this. As you and I are faced with many people each day, there are maybe some who are rude, some who are irritating, some who are critical, argumentative, abrasive, bossy. I mean, you get the picture, right? Are these people in your family, in your workplace, in your school, or maybe your small group? You know, they're all crying out for love. They're what you call EGR, Extra Grace Required. Now, you are represented by this sponge, okay? These glasses represent the lives of all those individuals that you need to deal with in your life. Jesus tells us, love them as I have loved you. Now, in order for you to pour out your love into their lives, you first need to be filled. But most of us are are hard and crispy and crusty and and dry and empty inside. So it's hard for us to, to love others when there's nothing that we can squeeze into their lives. Nothing. We're empty. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I just so happen to have some love of my own. There it is. This is my love, okay? So what do I do? I put in my life into my love and I squeeze, try to immerse myself to all that love and I pour it into the life of others. Go into my life again, squeeze and, and then pour that love into others. And I keep doing that and keep doing that. But you know the problem, friends? When I do that enough times, there's nothing left. Nothing left. It's impossible for me to produce my own love. I can't do that no matter how hard I try. But wait, there's a better source of love. It's Jesus' love. This is real, pure love. Friends, if you immerse your life in the resource of real love, you'll be able to pour out your love into others. And you just keep doing this and it'll be infinite. It'll never end. You'll have so much love to give all the other people. You see, The love of Jesus is generous. It's infinite. It's lavish. It goes on and on and on. And this is just a bucket. The love of God never runs out. The love of Jesus is really an infinite ocean of love. You and I can never produce love on our own to give to others. We must immerse ourselves in the grace and forgiveness of Jesus' love so that we can overflow his love into the lives of others. John 13, 35 says, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus loves us generously. Be gracious. Let's move on. John 15, verse 13 says, Greater love... Has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. What is this telling us? It's telling us Jesus loves us sacrificially. Can you all say that? Jesus loves us sacrificially. The agape love of God is perfectly seen on the cross of Jesus Christ. Now you're really saying, wait, 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 I can never do that. I can never sacrifice my life for someone else. Wait, wait, listen. Listen to what the Bible teaches us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This is where the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit gives us, who are truly his, the ability to sacrifice their lives, meaning deny themselves. Jesus knows that if we literally died for others, it would accomplish nothing. However, when we today choose to selflessly put others before us, that makes all the difference. That is dying to ourselves. Loving like Jesus comes at a great price, a great cost. A cost of selfless sacrifice. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says there, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When it comes to marriage, husbands, listen. Since Jesus sacrificed his life for the church, we ought to likewise sacrificially love our wives. You're saying, how? Well, if you ask your wife, she will tell you. Be more considerate. Be kind with your words. Be involved in the children's lives. Husbands, share the burden that your wife worries about. Do what you can to make her life stress-free. Now, another thing is, you don't have to win every argument. Be selfless. Is that too much to ask from husbands? Love like Jesus First John chapter three, verse 17 to 18 says this, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Verse 18 says, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. This is telling us that talk is cheap if it is not accompanied with action now we are told that sacrificial love is going out of our way to help those who are less fortunate in every way that god god's love moves us to give with no strings attached loving expecting nothing in return that is expressing selfless love you and i we need to get out of our comfort zones True love forgets, true love willingly pays the price. Jesus loves us sacrificially, be selfless. Let me tell you a story of a dear friend named Doug Nichols. And maybe some of you know him. He went to India as a missionary and while he was just starting to study the language, he got infected with tuberculosis and had to be confined in a hospital. The hospital was not very clean at all. And the conditions were difficult because there were so many sick people there. But Doug decided to do the best he could in his situation. He took a bunch of Christian books and tracts and tried to witness to the other patients. When he tried to pass out the tracts, they were rejected. No one wanted them. He tried to hand out the books, but no one would take them. He tried to witness But because of his inability to communicate, he got nowhere. He felt so discouraged because no one would listen to him. Because of his tuberculosis, he would wake up at 2 a.m. with this chronic coughing that wouldn't quit. One night when he awoke, he noticed across the aisle was an old man trying to get out of bed. But he just couldn't because he was just too weak. Finally, after several attempts, that old man just laid back and cried. The next morning, Doug understood why the man was crying. He was trying to get up to go to the bathroom, but because he didn't have enough strength to do so, he just stayed in bed and his bed was a mess and there was a bad smell in the air. All the other patients made fun of the old man. The nurses came to clean up his bed and, and they weren't kind to him either. In fact, one of them even slapped the old man in the face. Doug said that the old man just laid there and cried. The next night, at around 2 a.m., Doug again started coughing. He said he looked across the aisle and there was the old man trying to get out of bed once more. He said, I really, I really don't know, didn't know what to do, but somehow I managed to get up and I walked across and I helped the old man stand up. He was too weak to walk. So I carried the man in my arms and he was like a baby. He was so light that it wasn't a difficult task. Doug says, I took him into the bathroom, which was nothing more than a a dirty hole in the floor. And I stood behind him and I cradled him in my arms as he took care of himself. Then I carried him back to his bed and laid him down. As I turned to leave, The old man reached up to my face and pulled me close and kissed me on the cheek and said what I think was, thank you. Doug said, the next morning, there were patients waiting when I woke up and they asked if they could read some of of the books and tracts that I had brought. Others had questions about God, the God I worshiped and, and his only begotten son who came into this world to die for their sins. Doug Nichols says that in the next few weeks, he gave out all the literature that he had brought and many of the doctors and nurses and patients in that hospital came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He said, now what did I do? I didn't preach a sermon. I couldn't even communicate in their language. I didn't have a great lesson to teach them. I didn't have wonderful things to offer. All I did was take an old man to the bathroom and anyone can do that. Love like Jesus. John thirteen thirty five says, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Brothers and sisters, I know that you all have family, loved ones, friends, who you're praying will one day commit their lives to God. If you want to bring someone closer to God, it won't be because you out them and won an argument about God in the Bible. It won't be because you can quote more Bible verses to them. It won't be because of how often you go to Bible studies or church, our family, loved ones and friends will draw closer to God because we were accepting, gracious, and selfless, loving them like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Jesus loves us unconditionally. Be accepting. Jesus loves us generously. Be gracious. Jesus loves us sacrificially. Be selfless. I wrote a poem just for you based on the love of Jesus. It's entitled, Our Heart in Your Hands. When I get crushed from words carelessly uttered, it feels like our hearts are pierced and shattered. More than the pain, it is when it comes from a loved one. The betrayal, brokenness, and burden leaves us undone. How do we survive the deep wounds, turmoil, and hurt when our reputation and life has been dragged in the dirt? Oh Lord, when will we find peace against our foes? We can only turn to you to bring rest to our woes even if at times we want to take justice into our own hands. This, we know, is against your loving commands. Deliver us from the slander, the gossip, and malice of others. Just like Jesus, please help us to love our brothers. You alone are our shield that embraces us tightly. We find comfort in you as we close our eyes nightly. Lord, we cry out to you to deliver us from our enemies. We put our trust in your faithfulness over the centuries. No one understands our hearts more than you, O God. Our hearts are in your hands. We praise you forever odd. We will look back with a smile one day and remember our story, how you gave us the power to love others like Jesus for your glory. I pray that God's word has spoken to your hearts today. And if you want to make your love life come alive, you first need to have the love of Jesus in your life. He's been waiting with arms open wide, ready to receive you into his family. I hope and pray that today you will say to Jesus, I want your love in me so that I can love others supernaturally. Friends, don't live another day without him. Your life is too, too precious. Right now, humble yourself before him and pray with me. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we join our hearts with thanksgiving and praise for how you have accepted us graciously, sacrificially, as is, where is. We don't deserve it, Lord God, and yet you extravagantly, lavishly love us. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your love. Our prayer, Lord, is that we would be like your son, Jesus. We would immerse ourselves in his love and overflow with that love into the lives of others. We know, Lord God, that nothing is impossible. No heart is, is too hard to love. May you be the one to work in our hearts. And we thank you, Father, that you give us the ability and strength from the power of your spirit to love others like you have loved us. And Lord, I want to pray for all those who are here today listening to this who in their hearts say, I want that love. I want to receive the love of Jesus. Friend, pray this prayer right now. Lord Jesus, I come before you humbly admitting that I'm a sinner. I realize how much you love me, that you gave your life for me on the cross. You took the sacrifice and paid the ultimate price to pay the penalty of my sin. Today, right now, I offer my heart I surrender my life. I repent of all my sins. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life and change me from the inside out. Thank you, Father, that you are faithful to your promise to forgive me and give me the gift of eternal life. I love you, Lord God. And I pray all of this in the precious and wonderful name of your Son, my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Oh, I hope and pray that you've been blessed by God's word today. And if it's your first time joining us in CCF, we would love to welcome you to our family. We have a welcome center with so many wonderful people who are ready and excited to meet you. Just click on the links below, and if you have any questions, just type them in the comments and chat box, and we will answer them immediately. Friends, it's been a joy spending this time with you. Next up is Fast Track. Then I will give you discussion questions for your time with your family and small groups. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. I love you guys.